Thanks, Michelle. Um, It's a pretty heavy passage, isn't it? So uh, let's pray and uh, ask God for help. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your word. And even though um, we may at times struggle with the words, we pray that you would now open our hearts and our minds uh, to what you have to say to us so that we might trust in Jesus and glorify him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, uh, many years ago, I had the privilege of travelling to Thailand with my parents when I was in university. Uh, One of the ways you get around in Thailand is in a tuk-tuk. It's like a three-wheel motorcycle with a cabin for the front driver and the seating in the back for the three of us, my parents and I. Uh, We'd asked the tuk-tuk driver to take us to one of the major tourist sites and so he agreed and um, we started travelling, but we ended up not at the place um, where we had asked to get to, but somewhere else. Uh, another tourist destination, which was not as good, pretty shabby, and they were trying to sell stuff um, because we were tourists. Um, and you can probably see what was happening here. Um, this happened not just once, but then we were taking to another couple of places until we, we were firm that we, we didn't want to be taken anywhere else but to where we wanted to go. Uh, well, what end up happening was that the tuk-tuk driver just drove off and left us behind and we were no nearer our destination from when we first started. Uh, and in the scheme of things, it wasn't a big deal. We lost a bit of money, a chunk of time and a dent in our pride thinking about how we got literally taken for a ride. <laughs> Sorry. But it just reinforced my dislike for being conned. Oh man, I hate being tricked, deceived and misled. Uh, I wonder if you hate being duped. Uh, Do you dislike being ripped off? Uh, Well, when we come to this chapter, there's a warning for Christians that we run the risk of actually being defrauded. We run the risk of being conned and cheated. Not just out of a couple of dollars or a couple of hours of our time, but there's potential for Christians to lose a lot. Uh, We run the risk of losing eternity, eternal life, foregoing the secure future that has been promised. And in today's letter, we look at how to make sure we aren't going to be defrauded or cheated out of eternal life. Now, remember, we've been studying this letter of 2 Peter, and Peter has been warning us of the certain dangers that are present. Last week, he reminded us of the danger of forgetting the gospel Um, But in today's chapter, we turn to the danger of following false teachers. In last week's chapter, Peter's Peter's already tackling um, false teachers who are saying that the return of Jesus to judge is the stuff of fairy tales. Uh, These people are saying that the return of Jesus is just a myth. And so Peter recognises already this is dangerous. Uh, And there's a danger of these false teachers leading people astray. But I wonder if while you heard Michelle read the passage, you felt like the language was a bit over the top. It's pretty blunt, isn't it? It's pretty harsh sounding. But I think once we understand that this is the same Peter who was led astray by Satan himself, this is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, who was distraught that he who had proclaimed loyalty to Jesus ended up rejecting him for a time, we start to understand what's at stake. 
Peter knows what it means to be led by the ultimate false teacher in Satan and he also knows how significant the cost is. And I take it, it's the kind of speech when your toddler or child starts wandering onto the road. You yell, you shout, you make it blunt, you, you're abrupt. Stop! Uh, it would be ridiculous in that situation if someone came up to you after you did that and said, look, could you just tone it down a bit, maybe have a bit more understanding of what your child's doing, or you know, maybe use more positive words rather than stop. Uh, In this chapter, Peter wants to make it clear that false teachers can come in, defraud and put your eternal future in jeopardy. And so today we'll cover three things. We'll look at Peter's warning about false teachers, we'll see the future of false teachers and how to identify false teachers. But firstly, Peter warns of the danger of people leading us astray. He says, Be on your guard for false teachers. And that's really the first thing that we're looking at today. Be on your guard for false teachers. Peter is clear, these people who have strayed away from the truth are dangerous. Don't be naive. Don't be gullible. Peter wants to make sure you are not easily deceived. And maybe the most worrying thing is that these false teachers can be closer to you than you maybe think. Have a look at the first verse in chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Um, Peter is pretty clear. There will be false teachers among you. They may not be there now, And we thank God for that. But Peter warns the church and believers to be on your guard. Notice how Peter shifts from the past to the present. Being on your guard is not a new concept. God's people, the Israelites, well, there were false prophets even amongst them. And for today, God's people in the church, there's false teachers. Now, I think the shift from false prophets to teachers reminds us that we have all that we need in the Bible. Um, That's the point Peter makes in uh, the previous chapter, that all we need to know Jesus is in the scriptures and the Bible's trustworthy and reliable and there's no secrets and no new things to be revealed. And so if anyone does say to you, hey, look, I've got something more than the Bible, danger, danger, Will Robinson, if you know Lost in Space. But if you don't, you should hear danger, danger if they're saying there's something new or more. So be on the lookout for false teachers who stray from the gospel, who stray from God's word, the Bible. Now, of course, it's not always that simple, okay? They're not going to be so evident or clear. And we'll look a bit more in detail later on about how to identify a false teacher. But Peter is acutely aware that there are those amongst the church or those who will be amongst the church who will not teach the good news of Jesus uh, and not teach what Peter and the apostles have been passing on. And so he says to the church, be on the lookout for those who will lead you astray. Now let's be clear, these people uh, aren't just folk who just misunderstand the Bible. Um, These aren't just believers who've just made mistakes about how to read the Bible. Um, These false teachers are, in some sense, sinister. They're deliberately aiming to guide people down the wrong path. See again the second sentence of that first verse. 
they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Why should you be on your guard? These false teachers on the down low, in secret, are trying to bring in teachings that are not faithful to the Bible. They try to smuggle in ideas that mislead people about God. They try to sneak in lies about salvation. And all in all, their teachings are damaging. They themselves deny God's rule over their lives. And they bring God's judgment upon themselves. And of course, uh, and this is the danger, sadly those they manage to lead. So be on your guard. However, you might be thinking, but you know, this is St. Michael's. I mean, um, we're, we're, we're supposedly known for our faithful Bible teaching. Um, and yes, that's true. But it would be a mistake to be arrogant about that. I thank God for our faithfulness to Bible teaching. But remember, Peter says, there will be false teachers among you. So I think it would be foolish to think it would never happen here at St. Michael's. You would never have uh, anything being said differently from the pulpit here at St. Michael's. But I think we mustn't be lulled into a false sense of security. Don't just blindly accept what I'm teaching or what Sandy is teaching or what any of the other people who share the the preaching Um, and just because it it was said in your growth group it doesn't mean you should believe it I think it's always test the scriptures uh, test it against the apostles creed that's why we affirm it in our gatherings but sadly when we think of the wider Anglican denomination uh, just because here at St Michael's we try to be faithful uh, it doesn't actually guarantee that all Anglican churches in uh, this nation nor in the world will will try to be faithful to the apostles' teachings. In fact, there are ministers in the Anglican Church in Australia who sadly do not believe in the essential beliefs like the bodily resurrection from the dead that that Jesus achieved. Some will will, uh, say there is no return of Jesus, there's no judgment, God is love and accepting of all. And of course, I think... um, we, we, uh, we mustn't um, take for granted faithful teaching. But I think as well, we don't want to go the other way, don't we? Um, yes, be on your guard, but don't go to the exact opposite end of being absolutely paranoid about everything that you hear. I think that would be not helpful as well. Um, we ought to just be on our guard and test what we read and hear. So yes, the book that you may have bought from the Christian bookshop, um, yeah, that's from the Christian bookshop, but test it. Yes, you may have heard that from the Christian radio station, but again, test that. Uh, Yes, you may have read an article written by someone who teaches Greek and holds a PhD in theology, uh, but you still need to test it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are being faithful to the Bible, so be on your guard. Um, False teaching is an ever-present and inevitable danger of any church and any denomination. And this really saddens me, it upsets me that there are false teachers who, with their massive followings, um, just because they're popular doesn't mean they're right, but with their massive followings are leading people down the path of destruction. But then Peter reminds us that we do not need to be discouraged, but in fact we need to fear what will be coming upon them. And so Peter's pretty clear that for false teachers, they won't get away with it. And that is the point of verses 4 to 10. The point is that false teachers won't escape judgment. 
could be easy to think that false teachers will get away with mishandling God's word and for some they might prosper materially or popularity wise but Peter is telling us to take false teachers seriously because the judgment upon them is coming see verse 3 In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. The future for false teachers is not bright. I mean, that's that's a terrible understatement, isn't it? They will definitely face judgment. But where there is judgment, Peter also shows for those who remain faithful to Jesus, there's mercy. God will indeed rescue the godly. See verse 9. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. And to make this point, Peter gives us three examples. One of angels, another of Noah and Lot. Why these three? Why point to angels? Well, in other parts of the Bible, uh, we're told that the angels were made a, a sorry, we're told that the humans uh, were made a little lower than the angels. And yet the, the, there are angels that have rebelled and they, even though of their importance and status, didn't escape judgment. So if these higher beings who sinned didn't escape, then false teachers won't too. Then he points to Noah. And we get the scope of the extent of the judgment. Uh, God didn't spare the the whole ancient world. In fact, he judged the world by flooding it. Um, and it just reminds us of that God takes evil and ungodliness seriously, that he is willing to even judge the whole world by flooding it. And then there's Lot. Abraham's nephew. Uh, in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, because of their ungodliness, they were punished. Not only were they punished for their sexual sin, but in the book of Ezekiel, they're punished for their arrogance and their indulgence, as well as their neglect of the poor and needy. Now, of course, there's grace and rescue, and Noah was protected, and Lot was rescued. Um, There's judgment and mercy. And so what we see from these examples is sobering. I hope it's sobering to you as it is to me. Uh, no one is above judgment. Thankfully, in Christ, we can escape it. Uh, but it's only for those who trust in Jesus. And for those who trust in Jesus, we're encouraged to be like Noah and Lot. Noah, in offering the good news of escape to others, even when we're mocked. And Lot, we're to be distressed at the evil that surrounds us, the ungodliness in which we, uh, which is in our midst. We should be distressed uh, about that. And to live a godly life in an ungodly world is really difficult. But the main thing here is summed up by another preacher, and this is what he says. God knows how to hold those who deserve judgment for judgment on judgment day. God knows how to hold those who deserve judgment for judgment on judgment day. And so we mustn't be discouraged. Uh, False teachers won't get away with it. But we must keep holding up the truth. Get the word out like Noah. And not get used to the evil that surrounds us. To be distressed by wrongdoing and ungodliness like Lot. And so let's move to our final point. Peter wants to show us more of how we can identify these false teachers. Because at first glance, you know, these false teachers 
who look genuine and legit and humble. They look it, don't they? Um, just recently, uh, um, in the mail, we got a letter, and it was an invitation to learn about the Bible and have straightforward answers to important questions. And something like that just seems harmless. What, what could go wrong with looking at the Bible about some questions that you have? But then you realise that the material is produced by the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they flat out deny that Jesus is God. And that's a core belief for, um, for us, but not just us, the apostles. So how do we identify false teachers? It's, it's, it's not as always straightforward as we might think it may be. But there seems to be three key things. You could read, actually, the, the verses in chapter 2. There's plenty of material there. But we're going to just look at three things that identify false teachers. In the second half of this chapter, there um, are three things that we'll consider. So the first one is, how do you identify false teachers? Well, I think you can identify them by their arrogance. And we'll get into to what does that mean, especially when they seem humble. Uh, secondly, we can identify false teachers by their indulgence, how they live. And then lastly, their promise or their false promise of freedom. But firstly, their arrogance. Let's have a look at verse 10. Uh, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Uh, these false teachers are arrogant and you can see that they're, they're not afraid to heap abuse on angels. Uh, they despise authority and early on in the chapter we see that they deny God's rule. Now they may appear inclusive, they might use the word we're inclusive, we're accepting, um, but they do so at the expense of the authority of God's word. Um, where the arrogance lies, that might sound great that they're inclusive and they're accepting but that where the arrogance lies is in their attitude to God's word their arrogance lies in that they do not submit to God's word and we should always be concerned when we hear people say things like we've moved on beyond the teachings of the bible nobody believes that anymore actually Paul and Peter uh, those writers really didn't understand sexual orientation or you might hear people saying um, we've grown up we've progressed we've grown out of that and all of that speaks to arrogance because when we turn from the plain teaching of the scriptures this is arrogance to think that we know better than the apostles who were eyewitnesses to Jesus And this is the arrogance that's identified. Now, the second way to uh, identify false teachers is in their behaviour. And generally, it's a behaviour defined by indulgence. There's no self-control. There's no self-restraint when it comes to maybe material possessions or when it comes to sexuality. There's no seem to want to say no. It's all yes, yes, yes. See verses 13 and 14. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. 
Oh man, they're heavy words, aren't they? But they, it just shows that they follow the corrupt desires of their sinful flesh, as Joe helped us with that video. There's no attempt to say no to sin. They're not even ashamed of it. They don't even hide it. And they get openly drunk in broad daylight. They, fe- they, they feast with others. Um, uh, I met a young man who moved from o- overseas to start university here in Wollongong. And I asked him, uh, uh, what's it been like coming from overseas? What's the culture shock? And without any hesitation, he said, we're unashamedly sexualized in our culture. Boom, that was it. As we chatted, we just reflected on how prevalent um, sexualization is in our advertising. It's in the way we dress. It's, it, it's, it's, he, he, it, was a, it was a real surprise and a real shock. Uh, coming back to these false teachers, they're like that. They're unashamed of their desire to feast on adultery. They're happy to keep feeding their appetite for sin along with their sensual pleasures and passions. Uh, they're not trying to at least hide it. It's there to be seen. And sadly, they propagate this as freedom. Follow your dreams. Don't deny yourself of anything. Look, God wouldn't want you to deny yourself. And what it ends up being is that they offer this false freedom, which happens to be just another way to identify false teachers. Have a look at verses 18 and 19. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Um, so don't be fooled. Um, they may offer the false promise of freedom, that you can have what you want, the desires of the world. They may say that you can have your best life now. They may say that you can have prosperity and success, free from suffering. They may say that you can have what you want, if only you would claim it before God. But they're just tempting you back into a life of slavery rather than freedom. Christian freedom is the freedom to be able to say, No! It's the freedom to be able to refuse temptation. Now, um, take something like fire. Fire is a, a good thing. It gives you the freedom for warmth and cooking food. Um, but recently in the news, there was a story of a man who decided to propose to his girlfriend by lighting tea, ca- tea candles, you know, these little candles, which form the words, marry me, on the floor of his apartment block. He left the apartment to go get his girlfriend and... You, you know what's happened. By the time it was on fire, the apartment had burnt down. She still said yes. Hmm. But the point is, like fire's good, right? It gives you freedom for good things like warming yourself and cooking and that sort of stuff. But when it's out of control, it devastates. Just think about the bushfires. It's sort of like that. Freedom is not the freedom just to do whatever you want and destroy yourself. Freedom is to be able to live in the constraints of what it means to be human. You notice in the verses that when they talk about the false teachers, they talk about them as being not like beasts, not human. Freedom is to live in the constraints of what it means to be human, what it means to be God's person. 
And so here we're reminded that when you put your trust in Christ, when you have put your trust in the one who has authority over your life and is your rescuer, you've been freed from the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so instead of indulging on evil desires, which we think is freedom, Christians have a new definition of a freedom to add faith to our faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. Doing that, that is freedom. So when teachers emerge to remove the normal restraints that Christianity imposes on human desires, we should be aware, beware, be warned, be on your guard. Well, and Peter's helping us to be on our guard. Uh, and we have been reminded that sadly, in mainline Christianity, there will be false teachers. And to identify them, we ought to check for arrogance. Are they humble before God and his word? Do they accept the plain teaching of what's been passed down from Peter and the apostles? And secondly, what's their behaviour like? Are they living a godly life? Just because they have a religious title or they used to belong to a Bible-believing church doesn't actually guarantee stability in, oh, sorry, suitability in Christian leadership today, as well as stability. It's not just what they say, but it's also how they live. But as well as identifying false teachers, maybe we ought to look at ourselves too. How are we like the false teachers? Do we have the appropriate sorrow and fear when we think we know better than God and his word in the Bible? And are there particular desires that we are indulging in that we ought to repent of? Are there wrong desires that we ought to crucify, to deny ourselves, and with God's help grow right ones in their place? Well, let's finish. Peter doesn't want us to be deceived and lose eternity. So let's heed the warning to be on our guard at all times for false teachers. Remember, though, that the future of false teachers is judgment. They won't get away with it. And with false teachers, you can see them in their arrogance, their indulgence and their false promise of freedom.